What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to yet another episode of the Pop Culture Experience. I am your host, Dr. Applesauce, joined as always by my co-host, Mike, from Wide World of Gamers. We have a follow-up episode to our episode that we did last week that was about Logan Paul and some of his recent adventures in the Pokemon world. Uh, That episode was received really, really well, so we decided we wanted to do a round two uh, because there's really a lot of stuff to talk about that one episode couldn't hold all of it. Uh, So we wanted to dive in a little bit deeper today in kind of the Pokemon world, what Logan Paul has been doing, how people are looking at Pokemon more of an investment, whether you agree with that or not, people are definitely looking at Pokemon TCG uh, as investments. Uh, and expound on what we talked about a little more uh, last episode. So before we get started into the podcast, guys, if you enjoy the podcast, please rate the Pop Culture Experience podcast wherever you're listening. If you're listening on SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever, give us a rating, give us a follow. Uh, We do try hard to put one podcast out every week for you guys about all types of things, pop culture, be it Pokemon, be it Funko Pops, collectibles, movies, whatever the case may be. So give us a rating if you love us. And uh, we're going to dive right into uh, this whole Pokemon phenomenon going on with Logan Paul. And if you're listening and you're a Pokemon fan, uh, I'm going to tell you guys, uh, y'all better go ahead and buckle up because uh, it's going to be a wild ride in 2021. I mean, to say the least, it's it's the dynamic has changed so much. And, you know, it's just so interesting to watch all this play out. And, And as much as I wanted to participate in it, it's gone to a level now where I'm not comfortable doing it. You know, I. (laughs) At 20k a pack, I was like, I that's probably the highest I would go uh, to to participate in this uh, event, and now it's just been a whole new. The numbers level. are crazy. Yeah. And how do you? How is that going to impact pricing on product now? Because I mean, yeah, as those packs go up, they set new records and new, you know, basically baseline cost. Yeah. So the next one's going to be equal or higher. We know that, and yeah. probably higher because of scarcity. But now, what happens to the cards that are available? They, you know, they're equally as scary. I mean, it's it's wild. It's it, this this is pretty pretty dynamic time, and it's it's kind of cool to see collectibles being overlaid with, you know, investing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, when I was re uh, researching for this podcast today, guys, uh, I decided to go to Golden Auctions where Logan Paul is holding his auctions for the first booster box of his six first edition base set booster boxes that he purchased for two million dollars that's kind of what we covered in the last episode if you haven't listened to the last episode go back and listen to that one it's only 30 minutes it's called logan paul i choose you basically logan paul bought six first edition base set booster boxes and spent two million dollars and is auctioning off the packs one booster box at a time and then going to do these massive pack breaks, okay? So when I was researching today's episode, I said, let's go to Golden Auctions uh, and let's see let's see what the booster packs are up to because the starting bid for each booster pack was 10 grand. So I get to Golden Auctions and I see that the bidding is closed on his first box and all of the packs ended anywhere between $35,000 to a little over $40,000 per pack, guys. Thirty-five dollars to $40,000 per pack, which is insanity because the first box that he opened up uh, back in September, I think he sold the packs for $11,000. Uh, so we're looking at, you know, 
three and a half to four times what he originally sold these packs for. And these are all auctions from a very reputable auction house. And these are people that are willing to, to pay these prices. So like you said, Mike, you know, if your threshold for a pack was $20,000 and now we're talking 30, 40,000, we're talking a really nice vehicle, a down payment on a car. Uh, we're entering into the realm of high risk, high reward investing, uh, or, you know, slash gambling, depending on who's buying the packs. Yeah. And the, what, the interesting thing is that it's actually not a bad gamble. If you really think about what you could hit, I mean, it's not, it's low risk. You hit a for something to get your money back. You're, I mean, think about the, the things that get your money back, a, a Charizard, a Blastoise, a Venusaur, um, a Chansey. You could probably hit the Chansey. Um, mm -hmm. what is the other one? Uh, um, red Mew. cheeks, Pikachu. Yeah. Red cheeks, Mew, Mew's in there too, right? Mew. Mew and too. then, um, Mew too hollow. Uh, there's a bunch of, of them, there's yeah. a bunch of holographics and base set, but definitely, uh, if somebody were to hit, uh, Charizard, Venusaur, Blastoise, Chansey, um, those four, they would immediately make their money back. Yeah. Uh, and then one of the interesting things about what he's doing for these pack breaks is he set up a little arrangement with PSA. Any of the packs that are opened on his breaks uh, that have a holographic card pulled will be automatically sent off to PSA for super express grading. So the card isn't even going to be sent to the winner uh, until it gets back from PSA. Uh, so any of those cards, you know, it doesn't take much to get beyond thirty, forty thousand dollars on a first edition base set hollow of the big three. You know, a PSA eight or nine would get you over that threshold, especially if it's a Charizard. So it, it is a large amount of money. Um, and if you look at, OK, you have 36 packs and you have one in, you know, basically around 12 packs out of the 36 will have a hollow now will those have a charizard a blastoise a venusaur a chancy you know one of the heavy hitters that's that's where your you know that's kind of where your odds come into play but it's something that i see that's really interesting and i, I haven't really formulated a, a very very educated response or opinion to this uh, so i'm just going to call it like i see it um i see a lot of people that almost have been sheltered in the Pokemon community as collectors, uh, sheltered by the, you know, I'm what I mean by sheltered is sheltered from hardcore flippers being in the market, hardcore scalpers being in the market, hardcore dollars, hardcore numbers. You see this in a lot of other communities from Funko Pops to hot toys, to sneakers, to designer toys, where like people throw around big dollars and there's massive cutthroat competition i almost feel like the pokemon trading card collecting community has been sheltered for the past 20 or so years to an extent and then when logan paul did this it took everybody surprised uh and so what i'm seeing now is a lot of people obviously you know think it's ridiculous they're upset yada 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 and i can understand that mindset but the reality is is there's real people with real money that are willing to pay these prices. So whether you like it or not, whether their intention is investing, whether their intention is they, you know, they're a millionaire and they haven't collected Pokemon since 2001 when they were 12 years old. And now they have millions of dollars and they want to do this because they have the money to, and this is bringing up that nostalgic factor, whatever the reason is it's happening. Um, and I made an Instagram post earlier today that basically said, you need to choose 
if you're going to adapt and overcome to the way collecting Pokemon cards is going to change, or if you're just going to throw in the towel. Because I see a lot of people who, I say this with grace and with love, uh, that are whining and complaining and crying, saying, I'm giving up collecting, I'm not collecting anymore. And like I said, I, I say this with grace and love, but I've always held the mentality of, if something that somebody else does causes you to say, I'm going to give up on collecting and I'm not collecting anymore, were you ever really a true collector to begin with? Yeah, that's a good point. But I do think that Pokemon is, I mean, they had, they released that statement about, you know, printing to the max the other day. I'm yes. not sure if you saw that. So I do think that this year was a combination of so many things to just really pop off the way it did, you know, the with, you know, first, first of all, COVID just slowed everything down production, um, you know, the ability to ship access to product, all of that stuff. But then you had everybody stuck at home and bored and you saw people start moving into collecting and trading and doing stuff that like something that can be done without having to be face to face. Then Logan Paul jumps in. He's like, Hey, cool, cool story, guys. Let me take it to the next level and just create this frenzy. So now we're in this frenzy mode where, you know, people are, are it's just compound of, of events that have taken place that are making everything so expensive. And I do think that the flipping side has, you know, it is a great way to make a quick buck for some people, but I do think that that flip is also replacing some of the income for people who are affected by COVID. So it's not only people trying to make a quick buck, but I think people are trying to use it as a mechanism to stay afloat in some senses. So as much as um, it is, it is a negative. I, I try not to judge everyone because I know right. different people have different stories and different things. And, you know, I have honestly, I bought quite a bit of stuff, but I don't really flip it very much. I don't flip a lot of the Pokemon. I mean, I've sold some packs that I've gotten from like, but they weren't like, I wouldn't call it a flip. It was like that Walmart black Friday thing. I just bought a whole bunch of them and opened yeah, them you up, got it right? at a great price. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and everybody had access to it and there was abundance of them. Like I didn't even buy them all. There was like two more pallets worth of it. And now looking back, I wish I had, cause it had a bunch of evolution packs, but right. You know, at, at that point, I was like, this is this is enough to make me happy and to do what I want to do with it. So that's what I bought. Um, you know, I've talked to you about, you know, trying to get some packs over to you at a you know good price, which, you know, I'm not going to try and like gouge or do anything like that. But I mean, basically, like like when you're dealing with friends and stuff, you just really need to recoup. Basically, what are what is the dollar cost and the opportunity cost? Right. Like if I had to drive, get gas, do all that stuff to pick up this stuff. Yeah, let's let's work a small deal out. But I'm not going to find something and mark it up and be like, hey, you know, the, the eBay is saying it's worth this. So I need you to, uh, for you. I'll give you 10 percent off the final. You know, that's not. That's hey, Mike, you, you need some hidden fates packs to open. OK, I got some tins for you. I'll sell you for fifty dollars a tin, even though <laughs> yeah. retail's 20 because eBay says 50. that's such a great exactly. point, man. And it's something that I always encourage people is like to have friends in the community because that's how I am able to, to get a few of the things that I get is because I have friends that, you know, it's a handful of people that will look out for each other. And um, I even have a couple of friends that are shocker to everybody, hardcore 100% full-time flippers that are here locally that are good dudes. But when they find something they know I want, they say, Hey man, this is here. You know, I'll pick one up for you. Because yeah. we're friends and I understand where they're coming from. And to it, it, this isn't a discussion about if flipping or reselling or any of that is good or bad. That's not what this discussion is. This is a, a non-biased, like 
critical analytical view at what's going on. And I think a lot of collectors are so passionate about what they collect, rightfully so. I totally understand about being passionate. I am too. But I think we need to train ourselves to, to remove emotion and look at the situation in a critical and analytical way and say, what exactly is going on here? So I can better understand. And then I can take my emotion and add that into my understanding and choose how I want to move forward. And just like you said, I guarantee you there are people out there that have kept their families fed flipping Pokemon cards this past year. I promise you. And I hate that I can't find Pokemon cards on shelves. I hate that I have a YouTube channel that's based around Pokemon, Dr. Applesauce 2, that I haven't opened any packs on in like three weeks because I can't find any Pokemon cards. I hate that. But at the same time, we have to remember that there's real people that maybe somebody's just some sleazeball who doesn't care about anybody else who wants to make money, but maybe there's somebody that's a father of four who lost his job because of COVID and going out and cleaning out Walmart shelves every month has allowed him to bring in 500 extra dollars a month that keeps his kids fed. I promise you guys listening that there are people out there like that. And the encouragement behind this is not to say this is good or bad, to have compassion because we're all human beings at the end of the day. Every time you see an eBay listing that makes you mad and you want to post on a Facebook group, F these guys, you know, there, there's a human being on the other side of that listing and you yeah. don't know what they're going through. And while we all love our collectibles, the, the, the concept of being a community of humans and loving your neighbor is more important than I need to get my Pokemon cards at retail. So all I'm encouraging is to, to be open-minded and have compassion for other people and like I try to be, even though I hate that these things are happening. Like I said, I hate that I can't find Pokemon cards and open cards on my, my YouTube channel, which is interesting, Mike. It's actually been a blessing in disguise because it, it has forced me to think critically. I need to put out two or three videos a week about Pokemon and I don't have Pokemon cards to open. What am I going to do? And I've been able to put out two or three videos every week and the Pokemon channel is growing. But it's it, it's kind of interesting because there's with Pokemon because there's so much happening you don't just have to open packs like with Funko right now I think it's a little stale because you just open a mystery box there's not that much news like you have to wait for an event or something like that to really like Smycon or Smy yeah well Smycon would work or um uh <laughs> what is it what was what was the one we just talked about Fanfare Funko oh uh, Funko Fair. Yeah, Funko Fair. And then, you know, when you have the other cons that, that show up, you know, then you have stuff to make. But other than that, it gets a little it gets a little hard sometimes, you know, because the mystery boxes get it, they do get a little stale. Like you start opening them and you're opening the same stuff over and over, um, you know, from certain companies that, you know, we've talked about in the past. And then you um, pull the same things. every time. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, then there's some other ones that are a little more fun. So it, it's just interesting, man. Um, well, and it, it even. uh it's one of the reasons why I believe my my Funko Pop channel has had a moderate level of success because buying pops can be expensive. And I had a similar you know thing when I started the Funko Pop channel. It was like, man, I can't like just spend a hundred dollars on a mystery box for three videos a week. It forced me to think critically. It forced me to introduce the How to Funko 101 series. It forced me to introduce the controversial collecting topic series, talking about topics that nobody really wants to address that we all kind of know is going on, but nobody really wants to talk about it because it makes you uncomfortable. Uh, it, it has forced me to think critically. And I agree with you, like in the Funko world, I think if we get back to a point where conventions and stuff can open up, um, it'll create a lot more opportunity uh, for fun content. Um, but that, 
you know, that is something that, uh, that has happened. Um, but in Pokemon, like news is booming in Pokemon, all kinds of, all kinds of stuff is happening. And, you know, just this year in 2021, we got the 25th anniversary. We have shining fates that'll be coming out in just a couple days. Um, we have battle styles that'll be coming out that has started to become more popular. Uh, we have Logan Paul doing all of this. And then the Pokemon company made a tweet or Instagram post or whatever, basically saying they're going to reprint to the, to the maxes. A lot, a lot of interesting stuff happening and something that a lot of people don't know. Uh, Pokemon is in a, a very simplistic term. They're working on new printing and distribution facilities. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're contracting with new ones or if they're building new ones, but it's going to be roughly a year before they have those set up. And once those are set up, they'll be able to increase their capacity uh, for, for printing, which will be good, which will mean things will hopefully be able to stay on shelves. And there's speculation, oh, okay, great. This is going to be perfect. With It's going to cause the market to tank. Well, I guess that depends how much they print and of what they print. Um, but I'm kind of of the mindset that once that happens, it's not like they're going to print a bajillion cards, but they'll probably be able to level out the demand for the supply. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that'll be key, but you know, you brought up a really interesting point about Pokemon and news and information. If you look at the people like particularly on YouTube who are participating in the whole Pokemon thing and the size of their followings, it's gigantic and it trickles down Logan yes. Paul, you know, all the way down to, I mean, well, you might have Mr. Beast getting involved. And if that's the case, you know, then you have a 50 million heavy hitter who's probably post Malone teased that he's doing stuff with or for po like, we don't really know exactly what's happening with that, but he made posts that he's, he's doing something. He's turned him into a Pokemon so we could have the post Malone Mon. Just gonna get a Pikachu tattoo right on his face. Oh my gosh. So funny. But yeah, I think that that that's definitely played a role in the success of Pokemon. Uh Funko, the Funko YouTubers, I mean, you know, there's there's some pretty strong channels, but I haven't seen any like the size of like a Logan Paul or you know, anyone too big really get too involved. Like the largest Funko Pop channel is Top Pops with a little over 250,000 subscribers. He is dedicated Funko Pop. Mm -hmm. And then behind him would be Franchise Kicks, but he's not dedicated Funko Pops. Mm -hmm. And then there's a smattering of people between Franchise Kicks and me as far as like popularity and everything. But the, yeah, the largest Funko Pop channel is Top Pops with 250. The largest collecting toy channel in general where they collect, you know, he just collects all kinds of different figures and toys uh is somebody named shardimus prime i believe he has a, over five hundred thousand subscribers so yeah there is not any there are no channels with the the following size in the funko world that you see in the pokemon world as far as like what's the largest pokemon channel probably unlisted leaf with two million subscribers and then Lee and Hart with one with a million subscribers. And then you've got Real Breaking Nate with 500, 600,000. And so that's kind of your threshold for that. But then you have people like Logan Paul, who's not a dedicated or a dedicated Pokemon YouTuber, who's clearly involved. And then teases from Mr. Beast, teases from Post Malone, and teases from Steve Aoki, who is massively popular. Yeah. Right. Uh, guys like that. Uh, you don't see those people jumping into the Funko Pop world. And I think there's a huge reason. And it's because when people look at Funko Pops that started getting popular in 2010, there is a nostalgia factor because they can be made in, in the likeness of characters that we all love. And I love Funko Pops for that. 
but almost everybody that was ever some type of geeky nerd, any type of thing when they were a kid that woke up and watched Saturday morning cartoons in 2000, 2001, 2002, all that stuff. A lot of people have a connection with Pokemon. Mm -hmm. A lot of people do. And you're seeing folks with these massive influences getting their eyes back on Pokemon again. And the world is seeing that. Yeah, it's yeah. Pokemon as a company, too, is huge. You know, I think they're the biggest brand. Is it not um, the largest franchise in that's, the world? That's what I think it is. It's the largest. And I mean, they have movies. They have, you know, cartoon everything. movies. I mean, they have everything. Um, but I mean, they that that's the whole that's the whole thing behind it is just that the 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 people who provide the information have the greatest access and outlets to put it out there. So that's what draws all the attention to it quickly. So that kind of accelerates everything, you know, quite a bit. So it's I don't know, man. I don't it's it's a little it's a little scary in a sense <laughs> that the the price changes in a in a short period of time is very uh stockish, uh, very um mm -hmm. you know, almost almost uh Wall Street bets-ish. Mm -hmm. But um it's a very interesting time and it's interesting to see how the mentality around it has all changed. It's not just mm -hmm. I buy it to play the game and trade and stuff. It's like Hey, this is something that I'm going to put away for my kids and this might pay for their college one day or, you know, that mentality is wrapped around these types of things. It's so interesting. Well, I think, I think having a combination of all these men, you know, these mentalities really can help it to be successful long, long, long term. And everybody listening, I know we keep comparing Pokemon cards to Funko Pops. The reason we're doing that is because it's two areas that we both really love to collect mm -hmm. uh, and it's two mainstream popular areas, right? So you don't really have anybody saying, I'm going to put this Funko Pop collection away uh, for 20 years so that I can sell it and send my kids to college. That's not really happening very much. You don't have Funko Pop selling for $100,000. You don't have, you know, all these crazy bidding auctions and stuff going on. And then also with Funko Pops, you don't have the mystery randomness factor that you do with Pokemon cards. Somebody was, uh, somebody was trying to compare... Um, clearing the shelves of uh, Pokemon cards to clearing the shelves of Funko Pops, saying you're just as bad if you do either. And I, this was in my Collecting with Dr. Applesauce Facebook group, and I jumped in and I was like, you can't really compare those two. You're comparing apples and oranges. Mm -hmm. Every single time you open a pack of Pokemon cards, it's a mystery. You don't know what you're going to get. So if I'm chasing after several cards and I enjoy that mystery, I may very well go clear a shelf so that I can increase my opportunity for pulling what I'm looking for. When I'm buying a Funko Pop, I look at the shelf and I see there's the pop I want and I buy it. There's no need for me to clear the shelf unless my intention is to resell them or you know give them all away or something. You can't compare the two. And that's where there's a huge difference is the there's a mystery chase gambling, you know, try your luck aspect to Pokemon that uh, makes it to where everybody wants to do it. Even my wife who doesn't really collect, she enjoys every once in a while, she'll be like, hey, I want to open a pack of Pokemon cards because it's fun, right? She doesn't know what she's looking at or opening. She just knows that she enjoys it and it's fun and it's thrilling. And, you know, she pulls something cool and it's exciting for her. So I think combining all of these things together really does make it to where Pokemon is something that is truly nostalgic for so many people. Uh, and it's going to be popular for a long, long time. And it's just interesting to think about and see what's going to really 
happen because there are a lot of people jumping in wanting to invest hardcore. Uh, lots of lots of crazy things happening, lots of negative opinions, lots of people that are happy about it. Uh, the whole McDonald's controversy that's going on right now where nobody can find the McDonald's cards. It's just, just a bunch of crazy stuff. Um, and I had somebody say this on an Instagram post and I thought I'd ask you because I know you're a lot more uh, you're a lot more well versed in the stock market than I am. But um, we all saw what happened with GameStop. Uh, and there, there's a there's a there is a term in the stock market uh, world called short squeezing. Um, and, and I was curious if you could explain that. And if in your opinion, do you think Logan Paul is either intentionally or unintentionally causing this effect uh, of a short squeeze on the Pokemon market? So in my opinion, uh, I wouldn't consider this a short squeeze mechanism because a short squeeze is actually the inverse of what Logan Paul is doing. A short squeeze is where, mm -hmm. you know, a large hedge fund or a large company would have a position to short a company and they just, they, they put a bunch of short um, calls out there basically. And what they're expecting to do is to create a drop in that particular stock by having an abundant amount of shorts out there. So nobody wants to buy it because everybody sees them shorting it. So then because people stop buying that stock, it starts going down. Explain the concept of short. What it, when you say so, they put out a call. So a short, basically, um, if I'm looking to short stock A, I would borrow shares from you. Let's say stock A is at $10. I would borrow shares from you, Will, of that stock and sell them at $10. Mm -hmm. I'm expecting the stock to go down. So if the stock goes down to $5 and I'm happy there, I can buy them back and return them to you. And, and I keep that, that $5 profit per share. Or in the event, like with this one, the stock went up. Now, there's two things that can happen. If you're a bad trader, you don't protect yourself. The stock, technically, you can lose infinity on shorting. The stock can go to the, the moon. You just never know how high it can go. There's no ceiling to how high stocks go. So what big companies do is they put in uh, basically calls 50% um, higher than what the stock is. So if they buy it at 10, they'll put a call in at 15 that they can call and buy that, that particular stock at that time if the stock goes up. So it, it caps their maximum loss at 50%. However, if the stock starts going down, then they don't have to make that call and they can just take the profits. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, the market provider, the guy who gives you those shares, he can call back those shares that, you know, when he needs them back. And right. when he does that, you have a small window to return him those shares. It doesn't matter what you have to buy them at. They have to be returned. Right. So it's so you very, can lose big or win big. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But with, with what GameStop did is everybody, you know, they were shorting GameStop, driving the stock down, Reddit and uh, Wall Street Bets rallied the troops and everybody started buying GameStop stock. GameStop stock. And so it made the stock keep going up and up and up. So they were basically trying to mess with the guys who had the short positions and they used their influence and ability to drive the stock up from like $3 a share in April to $400 a share, you know, within the last month. Uh, since then, you know, there are a bunch of things that had happened that halted that trajectory, which, you know, Robinhood and some of those other platforms had, uh, put halts on trading. Um, and that halt was not malicious, I don't think, but I think it was more due to the fact that they're free to trade platforms. 
And the way that they pay for the trades is they sell the trade data. So every trade we make, they sell that data to big companies who then use that data to make decisions on what they're going to buy and invest in. Um, but also they have to carry a particular amount of money based on margins and have to pay that out when it's required by the SEC. So from what I had seen, um, Robinhood, the most of money they've ever raised was $2, million, $2 billion. That's what they've raised to date. The biggest amount of money they've ever been called to return to the SEC was $200 million. Wow. However, with GameStop, and the amount of trades and the amount of everybody just going crazy, the SEC sent them a notice that they had to pay $3 billion, wow. which they just don't have. So they had to restrict trading because that number was going to keep going up. And it was just a mess, man. And it was a lot of the free-to-trade platforms that were really impacted by that. So how is that comparable to what Logan Paul is doing. Obviously, from the the onset, you're talking about you know basically trying to drive a price down so you can make a profit off of buying it back and returning mm -hmm. it. Yada yada yada. Which is clearly not what he's doing. He's not trying to drive the prices downward it's at all. The opposite. He's doing the opposite, right? Which the first box I think might have been unintentional, mm -hmm. but now with these, clearly he saw the blueprint of oh wow this worked. Uh, let's double down or, you know, triple down two times on it. So how does that compare to what he's doing? And I've seen a couple people say, you know, Logan Paul is, is, uh, is, <laughs> is shorting the Pokemon market and, t you know, taking y'all along for the ride. Uh, how is that comparable or not comparable? In well, your he, opinion? he, if he were shorting it, he'd be looking for it to fail. He'd want everything to go down. Right. Right. He doesn't want that. He wants everything to go up. That's why he bought more of it. <laughs> You know, so he to he, control a large portion of the sealed product market for that specific box as well. Well, also, he said that he wants to do it again, right? He'd made like, a claim that he wants to buy every single sealed first edition base set booster box. In yeah, the planet. And after he opened the first one, he was like, Yeah, I would definitely want to open more boxes. However, he bought that one for 200k, and because of him, they spiked to 350k. So, right there he had cost himself $150,000 to potentially buy box two to open. Correct. So this time he said, you know what? I'm just going to buy a whole bunch, preserve my capital and my investment because I already know that as I open more of these boxes that there's already very few of, everyone that I open, the next one becomes more expensive. So I'd rather buy a bunch now and open them when I want to open them and not have to pay a premium every single time I open one and just but capitalize on those premium yeah. prices that are going to be created by my own by your openings. Own. Exactly. So that correlation is, you know, it's just smart. It's not, I wouldn't call it a short, um, you know, I would just call it, I mean, I would call it just a strong investment mechanism. It's understanding economics, supply and demand. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, and having the blueprint for what has happened and making a, making an educated guess that <laughs> beyond some crazy external circumstances, this will continue to happen. And essentially what he did here, guys, is he saw, well, I paid 200 grand for this one, opened it, boom, the cost of boxes went up to $350,000. So why don't I buy six at $350,000 so that after I open the next one and the cost of a box goes up to a million dollars, yeah. Well, I have five more because what we've seen happen, guys, is he sold, you know, he sold those packs um, at, let's just say conservatively at $35,000 a pack times 36 packs. 
Uh, that's $1.2 million on the first box. Now, here's the interesting thing, though. Here's the interesting thing. And you mentioned this in the last episode. Only packs 12 through 36 were on golden auction. So right. where were the other, the first pack? Like, where were the first 11? That's only 24 of the packs. But even if, let's say he just said, I'm going to keep these first 11. Okay, I'm going to keep them. So let's say at a conservative number of $35,000 a pack times 24 packs, that's still $840,000 on one box. That's over three quarters of a million dollars. If he paid $400,000 for that box, he just made $440,000, you know, not necessarily in his pocket. He's going to spend some of that in auction fees and all kinds of other stuff. But uh, he, he doubled his money on one box on the first box. If he, you know, maybe he made those first 12 packs or 11 packs available to friends for $10,000 or whatever, gave them away, or maybe he, who knows, I guess we'll find out when he does the box break, what he's done with them. But um, you can see right there with the first box, how much, you know, he made, he sold that first box somewhere between 840 to $1.2 million. And, and, and now I, he owns five more. So the next one could, I mean, if it's already, if it's, he's getting that much right now, everything's changing. You know, that those are, that's the new bar. But I will say that I think factored into that is that the PSA 10s will have that Logan Paul stamp. And I think that will play a role. Yes. Um, you know, well, not just the PSA 10s, any of the hollows that are yeah. pulled will be sent off to PSA with that Logan Paul stamp. Yeah, and so that's, cool. that's it, cool. It's thing. a cool stamp. And I think a lot of people don't have an understanding of how that works. I think you or I, I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you or I could submit a bunch of cards to PSA and pay an extra fee per card to say Dr. Applesauce's collection on mm -hmm. it or whatever, or Wide World of Gamers collection on it whatever that fee is that fee might be prohibitive to most people where they're just like, I don't want to spend that money to put that on my card. That's stupid. Yeah. I, I just think that it's going to add to the kind of mystique of that particular, well, it's going to make like, it super collectible too. the, the providence of that particular card. Uh, it becomes uh, amplified because you know, it was pulled on Logan streams, a Logan Paul's live stream of this box, this, you know, record breaking box. I mean, that's pretty, pretty cool you know to have mm -hmm. i mean it's gonna it's rare it's you're not gonna see it i guarantee you psa is not going to allow whoever they want to just start throwing stuff on they're like logan paul's yeah. box break thing yeah i'm sure um, he's worked something out with them that's oh, different yeah. than what you or i could do yeah so it's, it's very interesting to see how that's going to work but i just think he made a, a smart business decision i'm sure he bought all of these things and you know all of this stuff through you know, different um, corporate mechanisms so he could maximize, you know, expenses and losses and whatever he wants to do to make everything work. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised if the man didn't even use his own money to buy them. That's, I mean, who knows? Pokemon might have slang him a mill and said, hey. You, you never know. I mean, there's a concept of, you know, flipping houses and stuff where you, you know, buy a $150,000 house and get all in for $250,000 with the rehab. And really you're only out of pocket, maybe 20 grand, mm -hmm. but you're taking that gamble with a high interest loan that you're going to move that house within six months, pay that interest for that amount of time and still put, you know, $50,000 in your pocket after paying exorbitant interest rates. I'm not saying that's what he did, but I'm saying I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't figure out some way based on, I know these will sell because boom, if let's say hypothetically he did that, 
And he said, okay, I've got 90 days to pay this money back. Otherwise I'm just going to get eaten alive with interest. This is all highly speculative, everybody. Mm -hmm. This is speculation to the moon, but let's just say theoretically, he found some way that somebody said, you know what, Logan, I'll back you. I know this is going to happen. And if you screw up, I'm going to rake in the interest charges. He just paid back over 50% with the one box. You know what I mean? Like it, people get mad at him for doing this and if you're mad at him for doing this or you love him for doing this more power to you either way but you have to respect what he's done Mm -hmm. either he's a brilliant and figuring all this out on his own or he has brilliant people around him because this is only going to make him more popular this is only going to make him a lot more money and if i was in a position to do this i would 100 percent do it because I truly believe that he loves Pokemon and people, people think just because you love something, you can't profit off of it. That is the silliest and most ignorant thing I've ever heard somebody say. I love Pokemon cards. I would never make money off of it. That is stupid. I love Pokemon cards. I love Funko Pops. I love collecting. And I have a career and a full-time income built around all of those. Why can you not profit off of something that you love? Now he's profiting to a very, very high level, but I, I think it I I think he truly does love Pokemon cards. And I think you have to respect what the man has done and is doing, because at the end of the day, he's gonna rake in a lot of money. Uh he's probably gonna donate some money to charity like he did with the last one. He is and then he is going to bring attention to something that he loves. That's what I always say. If you love something, you tell people about it. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um it, I, I do think that he's a smart guy. I don't think that this is all just uh, thought up around him. He, he created a platform and audience. He, he's, he knows what he's doing. You know, I don't think that it's, it's a mistake. You don't get 20 million subscribers on YouTube no. by accident. And you don't have that type of money that, that that guy has made. You know, it's, it's, it's done. I mean, I'm sure there are advisors, but I'm sure that he understands what's going on and what's best for him as well. But this, I mean, yeah, I agree with you to say, oh, you can't make money on things that you want to collect or that you love. Well, I mean, there are a lot of people who work in the real world and what they do for a living is what they love. There are attorneys who love what they do. There are doctors mm-hmm. who love what they do. There are lots of people who love what they do. That doesn't mean that they shouldn't make be able to make money on it. I think that the ultimate goal and compliment to not only yourself, but to the collect- to the collectible thing that you like or the thing that you love is to turn it into you know, a income generating thing that you can do full time. What, what exactly. better way to live life than to wake up and be able to do what you love and to make money to support yourself and your family. I think those other people are just haters because they don't have the bandwidth or the mindset to actually, they're, they're, they're that 95% that come up with the idea and then they stop, you yeah. know, they don't, this would be nice, but time. this would be nice to do, but this yeah, but that, but you have or, to get your butt up and go do it. Like it's, it, that's mm-hmm. the thing is, is it, it's not easy. Everybody thinks work is easy. It's easy to go be successful. It's easy to become famous. It's easy to put out content. It's easy to do these different things and make money. It is not easy in any way. And you can't rely on, you know, a five or six second social media, Snapchat or Instagram video, or a photo of somebody's day, a blink of their day. And think that that's how they live 24 seven. 
You know, there's a lot of other moving parts and time that goes around those things. And even Instagram posts and stuff like that. A lot of those aren't from that day. They're from different things that they have lined up. But a lot of times you spend working, like I spend a lot of time working and then I have a little bit of time to really dive in and enjoy what I do. But I also enjoy what I do for a living. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's so true. And for both of us, like Mike, you've been successful in your business ventures and the things that you do and you enjoy what you do. And for the past two years, I've been really working hard at something that I love and I'm just starting, just starting to see the signs of success in that I can, I was able to, well, I wasn't able to, I was laid off during COVID, but I did not have to go back and get another job. I'm now full-time doing this type of a thing and doing something that you love is, is amazing. But like Mike said, guys, we all see the Instagram post that's cool. Or you see the YouTube, the 10, 15 minute polished up YouTube video. And you're like, man, that looks good. That look, that's nice. I like that. Or you see, you know, the realtor selling houses or the guy investing in stocks and, oh my God, he made a hundred grand on that. Or he pulled a $50,000 commission. You see these snippets, but what you don't see, it's like the tip of a, it's like the tip of a iceberg that's Mm -hmm. under sea. You see what you, what you see, but what you don't see is the monumentous mountain that's underneath the water. That's all the hard work that's behind the scenes that nobody sees. That's all of the filming and editing and recording and hours and hours of staying up until 2 a.m. to put out quality YouTube videos or pounding the pavement and working hard on numbers and going to mixers and making these contacts, yada, 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 so that you can sell properties and pull in $50,000 commissions and do all these different things. We all we see is the glitz and glamour and people want to judge everybody on that and, you know, say, I want to be there. I want to be here. I want to do this, that, and the other, but you don't see everything that's gone into getting there. And all I say is I'm saying this guys, because, you know, Mike and I, we have some experience with this, but when people look at Logan Paul and the man has done stupid things like we all have, right? If anybody listening to this has never done anything stupid, disrespectful, or mean, I'll send you a million dollars. We are all creatures of sin that make mistakes, just like Logan has done stupid things, but the man has built uh, an empire for himself. But all we see is what's on camera. You don't see the hard work that he's put in behind for years and years and years and years, probably staying up late very often to work and get to this point. And so I think it's easy to write it off and say, you know, this is not my opinion, but he's some social media D bag that's just taking advantage of this, that, and the other. And maybe he has done that. I don't know. Maybe he's done that in the past, but there is an element here of hard work that has led to, to this point. And I just think it's it's too easy of a scapegoat to to write it off and say, you know, what he's doing is wrong and he's he's ruining everything for me because now I won't be able to go buy any daggum Pokemon cards. And like I said, I hate that I can't go buy Pokemon cards, but there are a lot of factors to that. And it's not just the Logan Paul effect. There's many other things that all happened at the same time to lead to that. Yeah. And, and, and to, just to speak on Logan Paul. You know, once again, just like you said, we see this, he's made mistakes. We see these small, you know, snippets of his videos and the mistakes he's made. And he's, he's highly criticized for mistakes, but think about like Yelp, like how many, you know, when you have a good experience, you're less likely to write about your good experience than you are your negative experience. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of what Logan Paul has to deal with. However, what people don't really think about what he probably doesn't put out there quite as much and, and 
and I'm a hundred percent sure people do, will never focus on and praise him for, but think about the amount of charity work and money he's raised for charity. You know, I guarantee you that all of his haters, if you added all of them up and the amount of money they've contributed and time they've contributed and what they've done and lives they've affected in a positive way, it wouldn't be the same, but he's, I'm sure helped people financially with his charity. However, I know that his content and the things that he does and puts out there help other people who might be depressed or might have some mental challenges or who might, you know, really want to need to see something that puts a smile on their face. I promise you that outside of just the monetary fundraising that he also helps others, you know, in, in times of need that we just don't, we'll never see, we'll never know. You know, you touch 20 million people in a video, you touch 15 million people, 10 million people in a video. There are people who are going to be inspired. There are people who are going to be upset. There are people who are going to be happy, sad, critical. There's people who might have had a gun to their head and they saw it and they put that gun away and now yeah. they're ready to live life. You just don't know. But I would trade, I would take a million haters and a million dislikes and a million everything if it helps one or two people move forward with their life and be happy. And I'm sure that he looks at it that way too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all about choosing to to see the best and, and choosing to hope for the best. And even it's a great point, even with my my small following, you know, I'm so grateful for all of them. But there have been multiple times where maybe I'm doubting myself or I'm thinking, you know, the typical artist mentality, you know, I hate everything I do, or I don't do that all the time, but there's times where I'm like, man, my videos suck. My content sucks. What am I even doing? I can't put out anything good. And then inevitably I'll get, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten messages in the next couple of days. People just messaging me saying, I love your content. Thank you so much. It's really helped me through this, that, and the other, even my small following, I've had a couple people reach out to me and it makes me emotional to say this because I'm just, I'm just a guy making videos, you know, trying to spread love and maybe help a few people know that God loves them. But I've had people message me with my little 18,000 following YouTube channel saying like, your videos have made the world of a difference for me. Like without your videos, I wouldn't have made it through COVID. I would have given up. Wow. That's a, that, that will humble you so fast. And to, to, to assume that somebody with 22 million subscribers like Logan Paul hasn't had that effect on people uh, is, is just ignorance. Like mm -hmm. I guarantee you he's had that effect on people. Who knows how many times, right? Who knows? Granted, you know, there's, we've all done bad things, but guaranteed he's had that effect on people. So all of this tied up in a nice bow to say he is having a huge effect on the Pokemon world. We don't know what the repercussions of those will be in the next, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 years, who knows? And, and you know, who knows what Pokemon is going to do about it to, to course correct. But the reality is that it's happening. Uh, and like I've put in my Instagram post this morning, if you are a Pokemon collector, I don't, I don't like to hear this nonsense BS of a true collector would do this or as a true collector. I hate hearing that. If you collect Pokemon cards, you need to look at the reality of what's happening and decide if you love collecting Pokemon enough to adapt and overcome and keep your collection going, or if you're going to give up and throw in the towel. There's nothing wrong with either one. You decide what's best for you. And if what's best for you is just to enjoy what you have and stop collecting, more power to you. But for me, I'm going to see what happens. And if that means I don't get to buy as many cards as I usually would like to, that's okay you have to adapt and overcome to the situations that you're in. And that is just a great lesson for life in general is to 
look at the situation that you're in and adapt and overcome to it. So that's what's yeah. going on in the Pokemon world. Lots of crazy stuff. And this is just talking about what Logan Paul's doing. Not to mention Shining Fates is coming out. Battle Styles is coming out. We're having the 25th anniversary Pokemon set come out in August. Who knows what else is going to happen? We uh, just had uh, Stevie Aoki on Whatnot, which is crazy. Yeah, Pokemon. Yeah. Shout out to uh -huh. Whatnot. Yeah, Steve Aoki doing uh, Pokemon breaks on uh, on whatnot. Lots of really interesting things happening in the Pokemon world. And so for me, all these things get me excited because not because I'm looking at it like, oh, yeah, here's some way I can make money. No, it's exciting. It's fun for me, right? I'm mm -hmm. not like going to be mad because I can't buy Pokemon cards as much as I want to. Like my little boy, he enjoys Pokemon cards. He's three. I can't find Pokemon cards. I have a box of fake Pokemon cards that I let him open every once in a while because <laughs> they're left over from a video. He doesn't care. He plays with his Pokemon cards and ruins them because that's, that's what he does. Right. Instead of complaining and crying. And I know this is going to be salty to some of y'all and it might make some of y'all mad, but instead of complaining and crying about where a certain situation is, figure out how to overcome it. And if your main complaint is I can't collect Pokemon cards with my kids, get creative, man. Start hunting the good deals. Look for look for nice, good deals here and there. Buy stuff here. Maybe you just don't open as often. Maybe you take up some other, I don't know. But instead of having a defeatist mentality, look at where you're at and decide how to get past it. Yeah. And and if you, if you get, and this is just a word of advice, and I've done this for myself when I get frustrated, like I'm in traffic or something like that. Um, if I'm stuck in traffic, sometimes I get, I get so frustrated. I'm running late. I have to stop myself. And I say, Mike, you need to be thankful that you have a car to be stuck in traffic in. You need to be thankful that you have a job and a meeting to be going to because there's so many other people who don't. So if you're out there shopping for Pokemon and you can't find it on the shelves, just be thankful that you have the extra money to be able to go out there and buy that type of luxury for yourself or your family. Just be thankful that you're able to freely walk in there and to freely enjoy and to, to do things. Just there's always some sort of positive to get out of it. And I know it, it's frustrating sometimes and it, it is definitely, you know, you can get mad quick, but after a while you look back, you're like, ah, I probably over, overdid it a little bit, but just take that breath and just be, you know, find something to be thankful for. I mean, if you're buying it for yourself, just be thankful you have that extra money in your pocket now. And if you're buying it for your kids, be thankful for your kids and find them something else that maybe they'll enjoy that you can do together for, for the time being. Cause as we said, Pokemon is about to start reprinting a lot. So get ready. And yeah. there's going to be plenty of time in the future to participate and enjoy in that hobby. Maybe buy them another card game just to show them. Dragon Ball is super as a great card game. Yu-Gi-Oh is a great card game. I um, hear Academia is coming out with the TCG in March that exactly. I'm very excited for. Lots of cool stuff, right? So, I mean, it doesn't have to be so linear if, if, it's, a, if it's a necessity, if it's a need. But uh, just be thankful because there's a lot of people, not just here, but around the world who have who have a much worse, who have a much yeah. harder life oh, yeah. um, and who would be appreciative and thankful for so much less. Yeah. So I like to call that the thankful game, man. When you yeah. get upset about something, be thankful and you start telling yourself you're thankful for the littlest things. And it, it, re it really will help. It does. And as yeah. somebody who has lived, I've lived in over 13 different countries and I don't share this all the time, but you know, I've slept on dirt floors. I've lived on $5 a month. I've pooped in holes and taking showers out of cold buckets of water, crazy things like that. Like 
the majority of the world does not even have the ability to fathom a reality of being able to be upset about not being able to buy Pokemon cards. You know, it's, it's not something that the majority of the world can even what, you know, they're concerned with other things. So it's not to say any that we're bad for thinking that, but we just, this is a privilege to be able to participate in this hobby. It's a privilege to be able to buy these cards and do these things. And it's fun, but playing that thankful game, like you said, really can, uh, really can help. And it ultimately can help you enjoy uh, what you get to do whenever you do find your, your cards or whatever it is that you're looking for. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, I, I think that enjoy the ride. Enjoy. If other people are able to open crazy stuff, be happy for them. You know, if they pull good, be happy for them. If they pull bad, Hey, that sucks. But you know what? You're able to do it. And that's what YouTube is so great about. You can participate and live vicariously through other people. I look at people like real breaking Nate and I'm like, brother, where do you find all these cards? Yeah, (laughs) He's always opening cards. Like where are you finding all this man? Like he must have a network of people that are his fans saying, okay, they're going to have cards over here. They're going to have cards over here. Or he's searching all the time. Either way, more respect for him and his hustle to get him to the point where he can figure out how to look at all those, you know, have all those different opportunities uh, to see, okay, well, you know, Hey, this person told me these cards are here, or this person told me these cards are here, or I have all these connections. More power to him for uh, for figuring all that out. Yeah, and and that's that's part of that five percent, two percent, one percent that get up and go do something about it. Having the idea like, oh, I could go to Walmart and do this stuff, but you never go. You know, that's just the idea, or having this idea for a website or a business. I mean, anything like that. You know, it doesn't have to just be Pokemon and picking up cards, but anything. I mean, it's okay to take a risk. I mean, just calculate your risk. Don't put your family at risk to take these risks, but start small. If you have to test it out, you know, it's okay to, to take time. Like, you know, overnight millionaires are not made overnight. It's five to 10 years of work. Yeah. Uh, we just see it as, Oh, we see a video about them when they were poor. And then we see a video about them when they were rich. We just don't realize it was 15 years in between those times. Yeah. So it's okay to have to take time, just do it the right way, do it uh, the safest way, do your research and get up and go do it. Yeah, I agree, man. I agree. Well, and, okay. So like we, we tend to do guys, we get into a little more of the speculative and philosophical, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, talking <laughs> about life and stuff like that, but you know, it's true. We, everybody that's listening, we obviously we care about these hobbies and stuff, but we care about you guys. Like we want y'all to be encouraged and we want you to, to leave our podcast feeling good and feeling happy and encouraged and not upset about whatever the topic may be. We, we want you guys to be happy and ready to go about your day. Cause maybe you're listening to this on your way to work or while you're jogging or while you're doing dishes, or I listen to podcasts when I walk my dog and take my boys to the park, all those mm-hmm. good things. So that's why we tend to delve into more of the, I don't know the life aspect topics and things that we've learned. Cause Mike, Mike and I are relatively young compared to, you know, we're not old, but we have lived more life than, than a lot of people. Um, and, and we just, you know, want to leave you guys with our perspective and hope everybody leaves encouraged and uh, gets to enjoy the hobbies they want to enjoy. Yeah. Give us feedback in the comments, you know, I mean, what you think, what, you know, I'd be curious to hear what uh, some people's goals are. What are business ideas? You know, maybe that would be an interesting topic to do one day. Maybe we can get like a VC on or some some sort of investor, yeah. and let's get some ideas from the people who listen. Maybe you maybe you have an idea that an investor can say, "Hey, you know what? I like that. Let's let's see if we can make that work." 
Yeah, that'd be great. Let us know those things down in the comments. So guys, if you enjoy the podcast, rate the podcast. Okay. Uh, this has been a blast. I, I think we, you know, we haven't exhausted everything we could talk about, but I think we pretty well covered what, what could be going on. And, you know, guys, we'll talk more about what happens in the future as more of these boxes open, because this is an interesting thing uh, happening in pop culture. So we appreciate you guys. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We'll, you know, stay tuned for another one. Uh, listen to our other episodes. If this is the first one that you've listened to, there's a handful of other episodes that you could listen to uh, and give us feedback on them. And I mean, guys, we, we really appreciate y'all. And uh, like we always say, have a great day. Find people that you can love, find people that you can be kind to, uh, and just be a positive light in the world. Bye, guys.